Welcome, ladies, gentlemen, everyone in between. I urge you to ignore the car that's in the background, or the tram, or whatever it is, because this is a chilled and down-tempo episode of Over Underrated. We are discussing 90s genre trip-hop, with Massive Attack as overrated, and Sneaker Pips as underrated. I chose this theme, and have no idea if Fran likes it, or has any opinion about it at all. And I think we are about to find out that he might have some very strong opinions. So, welcome on board. Here is part one. Oh, hang on. Yeah, what are we calling this podcast? <laughs> Was it over underrated? Over underrated. Sous évalué. Urvachets. Over underrated. Welcome to another episode of Over Underrated with Fran and Babs. It is me, or I, Fran, and I'm with my co-host, Babs. So, Babs, how are you? Well, Fran, thank you for setting me up there so nicely, because I have COVID. Dun, dun, dun. Gasp. Gasp, indeed. Um, as I chose Breathe and Stop as my track on God's jukebox today, um, that is indeed how I, I am feeling. Yeah, it's quite annoying because I was in isolation for five days because someone who I'm living with at the moment, got COVID and then succumbed to it six days later. So I'm in for another week. So I'm very glad to see your lovely face and to have this podcast as a distraction. <laughs> How are you? I don't have COVID. Um, I, am, I am not ill in any way. And um, I have access to all of the UK, if need be. Although everyone cancelled gigs too early. Everyone right. panicked and then cancelled gigs, but like nothing's been shut down. So I should have been seeing Spectre um, this week, alas, cancelled. So I'm now waiting for everyone to uh, get confidence again to start putting on shows so I can again enjoy live music. So yeah. I decided to rub it, rub it in. Perhaps. Yeah, that was that. When you said I have access to all of the UK, I'm like, I don't even have access to this road in Luxembourg. Um <laughs> But uh, yeah, I we, Belgium hasn't had concerts since November. Um, I I think they, I guess they will open up again soon. Although, like many other places in Europe, it's 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 record numbers at the moment. I guess it depends on vaccines and hospitals and all that fun stuff. So let's talk about music. What have you been listening to this week? So this week, I spent a substantial amount of my Sunday in isolation making a playlist called Hashtag Feminist Friday. Because, as mentioned, I am on a music social network called God's Jukebox, and I started this hashtag in June 2016, I found out, where I picked a song and said something like, oh, I guess this is my Feminist Friday pick. And then other people on the network were like, oh, you know, that, that sounds like a good hashtag. So I started using it. Other people started using it. And I, you know, it's been going for ages. And I thought, oh, you know, it would be nice one day to, to do a playlist. And, you know, isolation came along and I thought, this is the moment. So... It has 233 songs. All of Mm -hmm. them are, you know, songs about with feminist themes or songs featuring women. And it's bloody good, if I say so myself. I mean, probably I would say a third of the picks on there are mine. So (laughs) I I would say it's good. But it's, it's, I just love how varied it is because it is all sorts of music, all sorts of times and genres. So if you're looking, especially in this post Taylor Swift, Damon Auburn world to support some more female musicians, I recommend going to have a follow on Spotify. It's called hashtag feminist Friday on God's Streetbox. How about you? Interesting. One of my most popular articles I wrote in the past two years was uh, my female fronted indie band 
um, mm-hmm. article. Mm-hmm. Um, apparently it went crazy over lockdown and my editor to this day has no idea why but thank you for if you read that <laughs> article <laughs> um i don't know if i did read that I, I probably did read that article at some point i think there are people we've talked about this before but there are, i often seek out categories of of music where it's that thing of like what's frustrating is when people refer to someone as the best female guitarist or the best female singer that's quite annoying because they they don't do the same for men but because you know, sometimes categories are underrepresented in music. I very much enjoy, you know, queer people in punk or, you know, Feminist Friday yeah, yeah. or female-fronted bands, etc. And I'm sure I'm not the only one. There's an, there's an audience and an appetite for it. Well, maybe like there's a, a magazine or article who posted it somewhere about telling me, but thank you, whoever you are. Or you just have really good SEO and write about the right bands in the right context, uh, right? So. <laughs> yes, and that as well, obviously. Obviously all, all that. But there aren't too many women in, in what we're discussing today. And yeah, I guess one of one of the female contributions is a bit controversial as well in one of the bands of, that we're discussing. Because mm-hmm. today we're talking trip hop, which is a subject that I put forward. Uh, a one-two, a one-two. A one-two, I want to. So I, I, I thought I'd add a bit of a, the old sampling trip hop razzmatazz. I might even drop in like some sort of echoey snare drum for you. Oh, please do. Please, I, I, more sound effects on this podcast. I surely <laughs> need it. But um, yeah, I, I picked it, I think, because it's, these are two bands that I quite like, and I have a feeling that trip-hop is not so much your genre. Well, as an old person, I was around in the 90s. Exactly. Though. You were around for this in a way that I was not. <laughs> I was around the original fans of, of trip-hop, um, which may have tainted it for me, but I will go into detail later on. Well, okay, I will start with what Wikipedia defines as trip hop, which is a fusion of hip hop and electronica until neither genre is recognisable, which I quite like. And it may incorporate elements of funk, dub, soul jazz, R&B and other forms of electronic music. And it was first coined, I didn't know this until doing the research, by a journalist at Mixmag to describe DJ Shadow's single In Flux. And yet it's traced back to the UK, the early 90s in Bristol and what's widely considered as the first trip-hop album is Blue Lines by Massive Attack, who are the overrated act for today. I So it's a genre I I really like, but I have to be in the mood for because it is down-tempo and it is chilled. But when I'm in the mood for it, I can listen to whole albums actually in a way that for a lot of other genres, I can't, like I really have the patience to sit down and listen to a, a trip-hop album. I've read quite a few top 50 trip-hop albums articles and I'm like, I don't, I don't know who these people are. So, you know, I'm coming in with some love, but not too much knowledge. And yeah, I like that it sounds quite filmic. You know, during the research for this, I realized that what I quite like is the percussion. I think it's very, mm-hmm. very chilled, very languorous is how I used to describe like a lot of the of the songs. So, so yeah, I'm looking forward to getting into it with you. But yeah, it sounds like I might have to do a bit of convincing. <laughs> So it's kind of weird in the house linked to Bristol because like, is mm. it just Massive, Massive Attack and Porter's head? Is that literally And Tricky it? as well. Because but he, but is... he kind of was in Massive Attack, wasn't yeah. he, in a way? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, he was one of the founders. Um, yeah, I think, you know, I think Trip Hop is to Bristol, what Grunge is to Seattle, right? Like it started there for, for reasons. I think reading a little bit about it, I think Bristol was a place that's a bit smaller than, than other British cities. And because there was this gap in sort of there was like the hip-hop world and the rock world and they've forged something in between because it was a smaller place and I think just people mix more naturally is, is my understanding yeah it's like it's a weird genre isn't it because 
off the top of my head, I, I didn't even really think of sneaker pimps, uh, trip hop. Mm-hmm. I kind of linked them into the Brit pop because they they seem to be into that scene more. Like it's it's weird what is classified. So some of the the artists that I saw classified as trip hop, and I was surprised Goldfrap, Bjork, and some songs from Lana Del Rey's Born to Die. And I'm like, no, like it, you might have trip hop elements, sure, but I think it is it is a specific sound, or you know, like I said, for me for me it's very often drums and and how synths are put against guitars like it isn't electro rock it isn't anything like that it's 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 very different i mean yeah yeah it's it's, it's overly processed beats and samples i guess are the two elements you kind of think of trip hop although i didn't realize but um not all of massive attack songs have have samples i'm, I'm gonna come to that it, it depends it depends what album you listen to on, on mm. some of them um yeah obviously if you ever see dj shadow made a whole album of samples and then he was a pioneer that i also don't know too much about get in touch but uh but yeah samples are definitely part of it but not i think yeah i would say it's a bit reductive to to just reduce it to that i think when i read reviews if if a a track has you know like a sampled um rap in it or a sample string section they kind of always say trip hop influences <laughs> automatically although you know hip-hop is the probably the influence isn't it yeah yeah it definitely is is a hip-hop influence that's why it is trip-hop but yeah i found it really funny i think because sneaker pimps are underrated band on wikipedia on their third album it was like the label goth was applied to several reviews of the album and i'm like firstly why has this been pointed out and secondly like okay i guess it's making the point that what is goth like especially what is goth in the early noughties it's very different from goth in the 80s okay yeah you've got Susie Sue and the Cure and, and all of that but it's just like yeah one of them's a bit weird and wears eyeliner okay that doesn't make it's goth like <laughs> we live in a world where placebo are called Britpop and goth at the same time yeah which I guess is partially true right as in like they they also straddle that but yeah there's definitely weirder stuff going yeah that's that's a very very good point Fran very, very intelligent guy I have to say both bands I really didn't know very much about it's like I enjoyed their music but yeah not enough to really nerd out about it and I think um well we can, maybe we can get into it with a with our overrated act massive attack go for it overrated I didn't like them for a while because okay I, I liked teardrop and I thought that was a that was a great song but the the main song that got a lot of attention was unfinished sympathy and I was like it's mm-hmm. fine you know it's i'm not i'm not such a fan what changed it for me was the first song that i had that is on the playlist and i was like oh okay no there's there's more to it than that because i think unfinished sympathy is quite long and quite repetitive um and i think they're they're much more than that they're really collaborative i think they're very good at picking people to sing on their songs and and the samples and horace andy who's on a lot of their songs he's like a jamaican reggae guy and does not sound anything like his original songs on there so I think that's that's quite interesting how they really can transform someone who has their own kind of music and I I really really like how they use percussion it's different in every song it's it's really just straightforward drums it's processed beats as you say with with weird synths and I yeah I can understand why people might think that overrated but I literally don't think that's possible because they originated a genre you know blue lines was is considered the first trip hop album and it is quite original and you know the playlist that i've put together spans four decades and i think they're quite varied so that's that's my case for massive attack what do you think of them i remember unfinished symphony being on mtv 
and I thought they're American. I thought they're American. Like oh. it looks like the videos looks American. It's yeah, she's in downtown. She's in downtown. Yeah, LA, yeah, I think, yeah, yeah. And I loved that at the time. And I, I don't, I don't even remember hearing the word trip hop until Teardrop came out. Like six years later, I have no recollection of protection coming out. I think I was not cool mm. enough to to be aware of protection. <laughs> but it, it's it wasn't as big, right? So yeah. I knew Tricky more as an actor in the fifth, in the fifth element. Him out he? And music. Yeah, yeah. He he dabbled in acting, I think, in that sort of time. And yes, a matter of fact, we're like a faceless band. Like there's, there's a documentary called Live Forever about like 90s Britain. Mm-hmm. And they meant, and that's the first time I even saw a member of Master Tag. And right. I was shocked to see that he is white because yeah. I just assumed that they were like a hip hop group with yeah. cool names. Of course, it's called 3D. Mm-hmm. So I just assumed but that he's really like Robert Del Naha. It's like that's yeah. a pretty cool name. Yeah. So I just assumed that, you know, and I, I, I don't know to state really what most of the, the guys from Master Tag actually do because they. Like their first album was mainly samples, wasn't it? Their first three albums were mainly samples. So yeah. I don't know how they created like if there's three of us, a lot of people to be making an album. Like it's one searching through vinyl trying to find a sample. It's like I know that three D does a bit of singing. Does does Daddy G do some vocals? But three D does some vocals. I'm not sure about Daddy G. Um, you, I think you you will realize when you watch some of the videos. Like if you watch the first song, he is there singing in the video. And mushroom, who knows? Yeah, um, <laughs> a mystery, a mystery. I know Nelly Hooper was mm-hmm. a was in the, into the, the production part of it, but yeah, I, like it's only till Teardrop came out and that album is it Mezzanine? Is it Mezzanine? Yeah, Mezzanine, which I automatically hated it because I was at college and therefore people thought they were as cool as nuts by being into Matter Attack and smoking joints and <laughs> listening to Teardrop. And one guy would call it his, no, his fuck um, CD. Oh, and no. I just kept thinking of him fucking his girlfriend to Matter Attack with him with smug smile, which kind of painted <laughs> the band <laughs> for me. <laughs> Amazing. Yeah, yeah. Fucking to a song about Jeff Buckley and how it's sad that he's gone. That, that, how cool is that? That's what Teardrop <laughs> is about, by the way, which is not on this list. I barely knew much about him afterwards. I think when the best of came out, we played at work and I heard a couple of tracks. But like, I probably knew five songs. That's what I wanted attack. to ask you. Yeah. How many songs on this playlist did you know? One or two? Two. Two songs. And you, you skipped maybe some of the biggest ones, didn't you? Yeah, I did. Like, so I, I didn't put Teardrop because, yeah, I, I really like it. But deliberately, I, I was like, that is overplayed similar for unfinished sympathy and yeah I, I was just really focused on getting the biggest spread possible for, for both bands because i think massive attack have produced great songs every every decade i think you know there are some albums that i prefer to others and i think their most recent eps are some of the strongest work much stronger than than some of their albums but i think there's always good to be found they're clearly constantly innovating and yeah as i said they're the master curator collaborators that they're very good I think it getting people to come from outside to just yeah refresh their sound and, and bring in something different, which which is yeah something to be applauded. It was interesting reading about like so when they're made is it, is it a thousand windows? I think hundredth window. Hundredth window. Yeah. They said yeah they literally had a band in the studio and they got to jam for hours and hours and then they just like cut up what they found and oh so that's like album. real life sampling that's hilarious. But then <laughs> they can but then they, they completely binned it off. So let's know how much money they spend making these albums. Because if you look at like the credits, there's so many people on the album credits. And like, I'm thinking, 
How much money do you guys well, like their songs are make? on a lot of adverts and a lot of TV shows. You know, obviously Teardrop for House and one of the other picks we've got as well. Uh, so I, I think that's how they do it. And yeah, I don't know, because they're very political, obviously, as well. That's that's I knew them almost more for that um, than their music for a very long time. So so, yeah, and it was really funny to watch some of the adverts because I think uh well angel that's coming up later it's like mm. i de- i definitely only heard that in an advert for a very very long time and i and i was like oh yeah i looked up it's the armani advert fine their music permeates i think a lot of pop culture as well so i think you one knows more massive attack than one realizes because yeah i think that's that's how they make money i'm also curious on how they perform live because when you got when you got that many guest stars like how do you actually do a tour like you know like it must be it's, well, i guess it's a bit like for gorillas isn't it yeah i think it's about sampling isn't it or getting one person to do everyone's voices like mm. uh like happens sometimes or you know get the not lead singer to do it like in sinker pimps coming up later <laughs> so that's the other <laughs> so yeah so let, let's get into it let's get into it Go right on. so my my first song is the opener from their first album safe from harm and there's this funny quote from Daddy G talking about the making of the album. He said, we were lazy Bristol twats. It was Nana Cherry who kicked our asses and got us in the studio. We recorded a lot at her house, in her baby's room. That's Mabel, <laughs> the, the pop star now. It stank for months and eventually we found a dirty nappy behind a radiator. And I hadn't realised that Nana Cherry was actually also credited as a songwriter on another song from this album, Him for the Big Wheel. So, yeah, I so Shara Nelson is the guest female vocalist, like contrasted against 3D. I think it's really funky, but quite unsettling. I like the contrast between her very smooth voice and his gruff one. And I really like how they just seem to have made up a word, terrious, because he repeats it all the time. Terrious, terrious, infectious and dangerous. Friends and enemies find us contagious. And I was like, oh, this must be a word that I I don't know. And no, I, I think it's absolutely made up, absolutely convinced that, that it existed. Mm-hmm. And I think my, my favourite aspect of the song is the very catchy... I was looking back to see if you were looking back at me to see me looking back at you. It, yeah, when I when I heard this, it, I think it was the song that clicked it into place for me with Massive Attack because I was like, this isn't teardrop, this isn't unfinished sympathy. There's there's more. Clearly, they like a, a female vocalist, but there's there's a groove and a funk, but a menace and something unnerving about it. And and yeah, I yeah, it's one of my favorite songs of theirs. What do you think? Um, so I knew this maybe because of hearing the best of Massive Attack mm. collected. Um, yeah, I knew this. And for some reason, I also think of like a, this would be a fantastic introduction to a British gangster film. Yeah. That sort of like, that baseline. I think they sampled it from Billy, Billy Cobham, I believe. Yeah. And they got drums from Funkadet. Yeah, I was shocked to read that they didn't play anything. I was assumed that they were, they played like, you know, bass and keyboards and brought in other samples. But the whole thing, completely samples. Like, is that, a bad or is that a good thing i couldn't read I'm, I'm quite neutral about it because mm. i think if you're enough of a fucking nerd to have that many records to play like to be able to pick from such a big selection of samples pitch them slow them up slow them down to make that final product uh you know i i think it's impressive and i go back to uh the ted x video that i mentioned in an episode which hasn't come out yet <laughs> or maybe it has by now the mark mark Thompson sampling uh one i think that mm. that solidified my opinion because, yeah, it's that thing, isn't it, of like, oh, you know, if they're not composing, it's not proper instruments. But the, if you're reimagining something in a new way, and that is what they are very good at. Yeah, if, if for me, if the song is good, I'm happy. It doesn't matter where it's from. Yeah, I put that on it. Is it 
is it about finding gold or is it pure luck? Uh, well, apparently it's inspired by Taxi Driver, which I did. The lyrics, realize. yeah. Yeah. I guess that that's the, I'm looking at you, looking at me, yeah, looking at me. Never made yeah. that connection until today <laughs> when I read that. There we go. So yeah, it's, yeah, this is good Massive Attack. It's filmic. It's funky. It's got a, a premium sweet vocal. So yeah, this is the Massive Attack I like. I, I think Blue Lines, I've never actually listened to the whole album. I know that's quite bad. It's quite varied, it's like, Blue Lines. Yeah, classic, is it? Yeah, like, I, I, I do think it, it is the best song. And it's a bit frustrating when the best song is is the first song. But I, it's worth repeated listenings. Not every song is like Safe From Harm, but that's not necessarily a bad thing. I should probably give it a listen, shouldn't I? So um, moving on to a track I hadn't heard before. So Sly from their second album, Protection. What I found interesting was the beginning sounds like it, it could come from a modern song. I was thinking Shy Girl could do, uh, could start mm-hmm. a song like that. So it's quite unsettling. And then there's this very, I called it very feminine voice. And I, I really enjoyed the difference between this very light, very, very fluttery voice. And then like synths. Um, and the, there's some strings and the percussion is very smooth and it adds all these nice layers. And the, you know, the lyrics say, oh, it's, it's so hard to decide what is real these days when things look so dizzy to me. And yeah, it just, it, it really creates like an atmosphere. And the singer is someone I'd never heard of, someone called Nicolette, who is a Scottish singer. And she has an album that I really enjoy the title of called Let No One Live Rent Free in Your Head, <laughs> which Enemy called the 27th best album of 1996. And there ends my facts for this song. <laughs> I adore Craig Armstrong, who composed mm. the strings in it. But then I, but then he's not down as a, a writer. So it's like, have they sampled strings by Craig Armstrong? Or did he compose them for the song? I, I, can I think work they out. might be because like Craig Armstrong's strings are mentioned a lot when you read about Massive attack. Mm. So I, I would guess so, yes. I wasn't a fan of Nicolette's voice for me. It was a bit too cutesy. Again, I think there's six songwriters and I couldn't work out what uh, what's everyone doing. <laughs> and well, Craig, well, maybe it's also, samples, it right? <laughs> well, maybe. Well, no, I think it was the band. It's all it's all the band members. It was like the producer, uh, Nicolette, uh, 3D, Mushroom, <laughs> It's like each one had a different record that they picked part of it from, and that's why they all <laughs> needed to be credited. Uh, and lyrics as well, right? So Yeah, I guess I guess she wrote the lyrics. Uh, and then, yeah, the bossa nova percussion, it, I've never been a fan. It always feels interesting <gasps> dated. How dare you? The genre of a whole country. <laughs> I hate countries, apart from UK, obviously. <laughs> Yeah, so I, it wasn't, I wasn't a fan of this. But interesting, the video. So she is dressed as a geisha girl. Is that okay mm. these days? What do you think about that? I think as long as she's not whited up, fine. <laughs> like, <laughs> it's a very strange video. It doesn't match the song at all. I actually, so I unfortunately was hoping to have some time to look at lots of videos before the mm. record, and I didn't. And there's only a few Massive Attack and Sneaker Pimps videos that I've seen. Um, but yeah, I think... They're normally very good at music mm. videos. They're very memorable. Like obviously the teardrop one with the fetus, um, and I just watched the one for our, for the next track, Angel, and it's mm-hmm. it, it's a film. It's it's a short film that matches the song that that it's uh, that's accompanying it, which I thought was great. Like yes, yeah, so massive um, film directors have worked with Massive Attack. I mm-hmm. guess because the music just instantly suits the, mm-hmm. the, the visual the visual world, so it, it makes sense, doesn't it? And yeah, that's like, why it like surprises same. me that you're not a bigger fan of trip hop because it like filmic is a word that I used over and over and over again for these songs. But maybe you are a fan of the music with visuals, not by itself. Yeah, definitely. Like so, Uncle Rabbit in Headlights is a, fa- a famous mm-hmm. video. Yeah, mm-hmm. it's perfect watching that. 
but I don't think I've ever listened to that song without the video in my entire life. That's the same for a lot of Master Attack songs. Is that I don't think I would ever just click play on a Master Attack track. Mm-hmm. Master Attack track, a Master Attack, attack. <laughs> a Master Attack song. I think if I'm watching a film, fantastic. If they appear on an advert, fantastic. But I would never walk around the house dusting to Master Attack. Oh, I absolutely would. And especially <laughs> especially to the next song, which I guess is possibly the best known song from the playlist. So it's Angel from Mezzanine. So I avoided Teardrop because, yeah, as I said before. But Angel, I think, yeah, it's a song that really sticks with you. Um and as I was saying, you know, it's on adverts. So I saw this Emporio Armani advert, but I also saw this Adidas advert with uh, Zidane and Beckham. And you like, that is not who I would automatically associate with this. But but there we go. And yeah, Mezzanine is their most successful album. But it was quite difficult to make, apparently, because they disagreed on the musical direction. And um, Andrew Vowles, who was, I think, mm-hmm. in the first two albums, left. Ma- Mushroom. Was that Mushroom? Yeah, okay. Yeah, I, I put it at the beginning, not the end. Um and yeah, I think apparently 3D was like putting forward a lot of post-punk, which which they weren't um, a big fan of. But listen, I think it's it's a great album. And this song is, I've, I've put, oh, don't they do menacing well? You know, it's the, it's such a terrifying bass line and the way that it builds and the way that it ends with the bass as well. It's like it never, it never leaves you. And yeah, the vocalist who I thought was a woman, it's not a woman. It's a guy called Horace Andy who is a reggae singer and it's based on his song you are my angel which i went to listen to and it is completely different but actually in in his mm-hmm. song the vocals are pitched much higher actually so in a way it sounds even more feminine even though it has this reggae sound that you wouldn't i would say automatically associate with feminine and they, it also sampled <laughs> the incredible bongo band with their song last bongo in belgium which of course i went to look up immediately and i was trying to figure out what the fuck is sampled it's the drums you can barely hear it But I think I this song is absolutely genius. And even though, you know, it's talking about you are my angel, it's such a dark song. You know, the lyrics say her eyes, she's on the dark side, neutralize every man in sight, like really just, yeah, scary, scary music. And I literally just saw the music video for the first time today. And it is um, Daddy G getting chased by people in a car park. And it sounds funny, but it's genuinely terrifying. Mm -hmm. (laughs) What do you think? Yeah, I knew I knew the song, although I may not have realised it's Master Attack. I just oh, knew really? it was maybe uncool, one of those like late nineties sort of like cool electronic artists. Yeah, um, trip hop, yeah. I hadn't seen the video, uh, but you know it's got that sort of like uh, druggy, trippy rhythms we expect. You know, it's, yeah, the, yeah, they are Master Attack are really menacing, aren't they? Like, there's always some sort of sinister strings happening. And, I guess, in a way, like Unfinished Symphony is probably the most upbeat um, track, really. I don't know. Yeah, the no, strings, I, maybe. It, it, there's, I mean, I think the, later on, it's a bit mm. less menacing when, when we get to Heligoland. But um, yeah, I think they create atmospheres like very few bands do. I'm not a visual person. I very often... I'm the opposite to you. I I often try my best to listen to a song without the visuals because I find the visuals distracting sometimes. Or if it doesn't match up to what the song is like in my head, it can really distract me. Uh, which is why you know I'm I, I'm happy happy to have a bit of dusting to sly. But um, yeah, it's just it's that thing of the and with this with this one the lyrics as well. It's just it it's like a horror film. It's a horror film in a song and. And that's it. Even something like Teardrop, which is actually a bit more contemplative, there's still a melancholy to it. 
Um, so, so yeah, th- you know, you're not going to be listening to, to Massive Attack to try and cheer you up, that's for sure. You're a Depeche Mode fan. I am. And uh, Songs of Faith and Devotion. Mm-hmm. So I could hear a lot of In My Room mm. with the guitars. When the guitars come in, mm-hmm. it's a lot like In My Room. I don't know if they've been influenced by Depeche Mode or not. I, I think if you've got any kind of depressing electronic mm. music, you've been influenced by Depeche Mode. <laughs> Depeche Mode, uh, yeah, and yeah, Joy Division, New Order, I would say they're, they're the two big ones. Yeah, no, absolutely. So yeah, so when the guitars come in, I... Yeah, I really in, enjoy it. I, I can imagine this being like a, an overdose sequence in a movie. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, it's uh, it's a, yeah, again, it's a, it's a decent track. Um, I wouldn't see in my life where I would ever put it on to listen to, but I don't mind. And not to seduce a lady, that's for sure. <laughs> yeah, I, I would not be making love to Angel. <laughs> um, who knows? Let one if there's a track I might choose. <laughs> Okay, now I'm intrigued. <laughs> so yeah, fourth song from their fourth album, uh, Future Proof from 100th Window. And yeah, someone else, Grant Marshall, refused to participate in the making of this record. So yeah, it was written and produced by 3D and Neil Davidge, Davidge. And mm-hmm. Horace Sandy is back. Sinead O'Connor is here and so Saban Albarn as, as 2D from, from Gorillaz. And yet it's the first album that has no samples and quote, contains none of the jazz or jazz fusion stylings of the group's first two albums. And yeah, it made me think, what did hardcore Massive Attack fans think about it? Because, you know, it's that, again, that tension of, do you want the band to progress or do you want the band to stay the same? This is quite different. And I I only got into this album very recently. I'd never heard any of the songs in any context before. And and yeah, I I picked two from from this album. And this one uh, has this kind of bleepy, bloopy starts and wonky electric guitar or synths. It's, It's not... It's not what you're expecting, but then, you know, 3D's vocals kick in, the menacing bass comes back uh, and you're like, okay, there's still, um, there's still some massive attack elements here. And for me, it goes into a lot of different directions, but it works. What do you think? So, yeah, so this is when I realised it was 3D singing. Right. I thought this was a, I, I looked up, oh, who's the guest singer? I thought, oh, what? 3D's a vocalist. <laughs> right. <laughs> yeah, because this is probably the first time I'd ever heard him sing. Because previously it's, it's always been like you know I guess um, a vocalist. So I was a bit shocked by that. And yeah, and he is the the core member. So is this his solo album in some aspects really? I guess so. Yeah, I don't know how much Daddy G is doing here. Is two D Damon Albarn? Yes, it is from Gorillaz. Okay. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Very nice. Three D and two D. <laughs> um, so yeah, I put down yes a lot of ambient, distant guitars going on. Um, it's got. It's atmospheric, but it, just, it does nothing stands out. And I put down uh, this is background music for Musos. Ooh, harsh, Ooh. harsh! What are you call it? Sorry, <laughs> sorry, sorry, sorry. Not, not for me. This one. Not for you. Uh, I wonder what it's about because it's it's quite a claustrophobic. So it's called Future Proof, and the mm. album cover has someone shattering into glass, and the lyrics are like borderline case, reinforced glass absent friends passport photos an elastic past like it's very claustrophobic um i I don't know what's going on i didn't go into song meanings for this one so write in and let us know but but yeah you know being around in that era i have no recollection of any singles at all from that period no no this is it and i mean from this album to the next there's a massive there are massive gaps uh from Mm -hmm. from now on and I mean, I think it's just, it's probably quite healthy, isn't it? That they 
clearly have enough of a bond to keep coming back together, but they only do it when they feel they have something to, to write about. It doesn't seem like they're doing it for the money, right? Like they're, they're mm. coming together because, yeah, they found some people who they want to make some music with and, and come back together. And also doing that kind of music, like a bit like, like the Prodigy, it's harder to write an album because it's not just a guy on an acoustic guitar bringing yeah. bring it into studio. It has to be collaborating. It has, it has to have lots of different people mm-hmm. and doing lots of trial and error. So mm-hmm. that's why these guys have you know, hours and hours of unused music, you know, mm-hmm. a bit like, you know, um, when the prodigy had to uh, um, chase uh, Fat of a Land, you know, it took what, maybe mm-hmm. seven years until the next album came out. Mm-hmm. And then in the end, he binned it and then did it all in like a month on his uh, laptop, I think. Really? So, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Because yeah, he's, yeah, because he spends so much you know, wanting to be always, and a lot of electronic musicians always want to go forward and, and find that new sound. Mm-hmm. And it's spend so much time trying to get a new sound that if they don't get it, you know, they just have to scrap everything and then, okay, okay, mm-hmm. <laughs> I'll go back to what I did before. So that's why I think a lot of electronic music fans are used to waiting for a band to... Uh, making new music because <laughs> same with like underworld i think that they, they have massive gaps between their albums as well so over underrated well the next band that we're talking about have even bigger gaps than massive attack yeah, yeah, uh, yeah. and yeah similar dynamic between two men as well so yeah i'm sure we'll come back to that as a topic um, but in the meantime, the next song, Special Cases, is the other song from 100th Window. And I swear to God, Fran, no idea it was Sinead O'Connell. Uh, sorry, Sinead O'Connor on vocals. And it's one of those where it's like, you, of course it is. Like when you realise it is, you're like, duh, that she actually has the Irish accent. And I think this is maybe the most, sorry, the least Massive Attack song on this list because it's much more minimalistic she's harmonizing with herself in this very unsettling way. And I don't think that's very common on, on Massive Attack songs. And yeah, it's got this brilliant bass. I love the strings, which I think are quite like sneaker pimps, actually. And I personally enjoyed the instrumental breakdown in the middle, but I imagine that you hated it. On first listen, it didn't. I didn't think of Sinead. I'm a big, big Sinead O'Connor fan. Of. Really? Yeah. I didn't but know I guess because you're used to her having that big, powerful vocal. Mm-hmm. This is quite like a fragile um, performance, isn't it? Really? And so, yeah, fragile themes as well. Yeah. And yeah, it's got that sinister violin I quite enjoyed. Mm-hmm. And sort of like a, gla- a glass bottle percussion sort of thing happening in the background. Which again goes back to this sort of shattered glass fragility mm, thing that's happening there. Yeah. I, I put down, this was like a, a top 20 hit. So I'm surprised I had no recollection. And what's interesting is they omitted us from the best of, even though it was one of their biggest hits of the past five years. So maybe, as you said, because it doesn't fit in with the rest of their tracks, mm-hmm. they thought it was it would jump out too much. But yeah, um, it's again, it's dreamy and would fit nicely with the visual. Although the video for this does not suit it at all. I have not seen the video. What is the video? It's more babies. They love babies, aren't they? Must <laughs> Nirvana, they're the two <laughs> banging on about babies. Yeah, it's, yeah. it's like it's like babies in the lab, and then people kissing. And I didn't really. That is uh, yeah. it, it wasn't. It, yeah, it wasn't the best video, so I I, I moved on. But um, yeah, um, yeah, it's, it's it's decent, but um, not a classic. So, you know, one that you thought was fine, but you're not saving to your, your Spotify playlist. Exactly, yeah. exactly. But yeah, the lyrics, it's this quite twisted love story, <laughs> I found, because it's about don't tell your man what he don't do right, nor tell him all the things that make you cry. Check yourself for your own shit. You know, 
you see such mad things happening. There's a few good men. Thank your lucky stars that he's one of them. And it's like, bloody hell. Like, I mean, you're like, did she write the lyrics? What's going on here? It's mm. very vulnerable, as you say. And I mean, they also used Elizabeth Fraser in, in Teardrop, sounding a bit different to what she normally does. And is, what is it like a bit more clean? I, I, I don't know what it is, but they're, yeah, they're, they're very good at bringing out other dimensions of timbres of people's voices. You know, very often when you have a, a, a singer when you go and listen to their other stuff outside of Massive Attack it sounds completely different and this is one of them but anyway on to another different female vocalist on Paradise Circus aka the theme tune from Luther <laughs> so I'm I am shocked because I love Luther and I've never again I did not realize. know this is a massive, this is a massive track. I think I only went to listen to this album when I looked at the Luther Wikipedia page and saw that it was Massive Attack. And I was like, I get, they're good at this. They're good at picking a song that is absolutely associated to the TV show that's quite popular. Uh, so yeah, this is from their fifth album, Heligoland. So the last album that they released, they haven't released a full album in 12 years. Mm-hmm. And it has Hope Sandoval from Mazzy Star on vocals, who is names I know, but I don't know any other songs. You know uh, Fade Into You by Mazzy Star? Like, not off the top of my head. It's one of those where like, if it's put on, I'm like, oh yeah, that one, but it doesn't, it doesn't stick with me. I really like, I call it the woozy piano motif. Again, this seems a departure. There's piano and it, it seems like actual piano. There's hand clapping, still the simple trip hop percussion and a driving bass, but it, it's a little bit different. And yeah, there's a section where it just changes to bass and strings and her voice and the bridge before the end. It's shimmering. It's beautiful. It's catchy. In my opinion, what is yours? So yeah, I mean, like her vocals in Star is a perfect fit for massive attack it, mm-hmm. it completely make, makes sense um yeah i love the interesting percussion ideas the sparse piano and the string outro is definitely the highlight it's a shame that you won't hear that on the tv show mm-hmm. <laughs> but um yeah if you go to the end i love that i love that section of it it's beautiful isn't it yeah it really builds it is yeah but yeah but i don't know who wrote that like so i couldn't see a composer or if it a sample again I need more, I need answers, Master Attack, I need answers. But some, sometimes you don't, like, I for Sneaker Pimps later on, I googled, like, what does this song sample? And I found a question that someone had asked in Reddit in 2017, and no one had answered, so. But the next song from Heligoland that I've picked is Girl, I Love You. And I would say this is not a million miles away from Angel, which is unsurprising that Horace Andy is back on vocals. Uh, but I picked it because it's still fucking, it's weird, it's, and it uses horns. It actually, the horns that it uses really reminded me of, do you know, uh, Hidden by These New Puritans, that kind of classical album that they did. Despite it having that kind of angel DNA, there's a lot going on. There's big shifts in pace and tone. And and again, big instrumental section using a lot of different instruments. It definitely feels like just, yeah, throwing, throwing everything at it. But for me, it works. And a bit like Angel, it's called Girl, I Love You, but it is not a happy song. (laughs) (laughs) So they're very good at that. Yeah, is there like a happy, slappy B-side from Massive Attack we don't know about where they thought, <laughs> right guys, let's put it all on here now. Lollipops and sugar, and you know, we're going for it. Yeah, I have to subscribe to their Patreon for that. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, again, I was confused by the vocalist because I kept um, reading the word Horace Andy. Mm-hmm. I kept thinking, this does not sound that like a Horace. That does not sound like Horace <laughs> Andy, absolutely not. It's got like a really throbbing bass line to it, and I think it's Damon Albarn. Oh, is it? Because like yeah, it's, it's sort of I look at the credits that said like what he did, and he was down for like um, synth bass and main bass, and, and it said this song, 
I was like, oh, okay, fair enough. Like, I'm glad you did more research than I did, yeah. I'm if like, you're going to hire Damon, you think he'd be singing, but apparently he plays bass as well. I think Damon is happy to be Jack of all trades, isn't he, mm. when, when he's collaborating, so, yeah. Poor, poor uh, Alex James. And uh, <laughs> <laughs> not even the best bassist in the same band, oh, dear. <laughs> But he, look, but he looks the coolest. He does, he does. He does. He look this. He was. He was pretty fit. <laughs> yeah, yeah. This is actually one of my favorites of, oh, of the songs. I of the songs I hadn't heard before. This is my favorite because, like, it takes a while to get into it. But then I really got into the atmosphere of it. I didn't like the off off key horns that kind of. I, see, I thought given our strongest threw, conversation, I thought he's he's not going to like the horns, and I was correct. So yeah, so cut out the horns, and I would yeah, I would. Uh, add this to my trip hop playlist, which I have not started yet, but I will one day. One day. Uh, what did horns ever do to you, Fran? Why? Why are you not a fan? I don't know. If, I guess if it's like if I'm expecting it all the way through, I'm fine. It's just the random horn, the surprise horn. So you know, ah. and I like a lot of um, film music with, with with like horns, but I think yeah, the surprise off kilter horns isn't for me. Well, that was yeah the last song from from albums. The next three songs are all from. Uh, EP from 2016. So the next pick is Voodoo in My Blood from Ritual Spirit. I think this is a truly fantastic EP. Uh, all the songs are great, especially the two that I've picked. And this one has the Scottish hip hop group Young Fathers. Mm-hmm. And the beginning sounds very different to, again, to the usual Massive Attack Fair. There's just sort of, again, menacing. <laughs> We've used menacing, sinister percussion. And there's this kind of synth line accompanying the vocals, and it's it's really urgent. Voodoo and my blood, it's living, it's yeah. And then then the atmosphere comes back with the synths and the harmonies. And I really love the percussion here, and I really love the 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 voice of I don't know I don't know the members of Young Fathers. I don't know if they're taking mm. it in terms of vocal duties, but wipe that cheeky grin has never sounded as terrifying. And I think because it starts with voodoo in my blood, you just, yeah, you have this, this imagery of someone getting punched in the face, punched in the mouth. It is deeply unpleasant. And then you go and watch the music video, which I sent you just before. <laughs> have, you, have you seen it? Yeah, yeah, of course I have. Yeah, oh, yeah. my God. Basically, guys, uh, is it Rosamund Pike, her name? She's yep, in an underpass. Yep. An evil little uh, circular floating robot pierces her eye and starts controlling her movements. And, yeah, with, with this song in the background as well, it just, yeah, it's it's... A beautiful awfulness, I would say. Yeah, it's the TikTok dance, which they tend to see that often. Not really. <laughs> like people doing the floss, but no one's doing the pike. Oh my right. god! Now that you've said it, someone's going to do it. Do it, guys. Send us the video. This again, this song works with the visuals a lot more. When I first listened to it, I put it down. The rhythms is making me kind of crazy. It's got kind of crazy rhythm to it. Mm-hmm. Um, it strains to hear the word socket to me, but sounding so relaxed. Suck it to me, um, suck it to uh, me. Yeah, I'm thinking about James Bunger. Suck it to me. That's it. Suck it to me. Very relaxed. Wipe that cheeky grin. Terrifying. They're, they're very good. They're very good. This is the, the perfect track that works with the video. Definitely. Um, right. Alone, it did nothing for me. That's interesting because, yeah, I I don't want to watch it with a video because I, the, it's too scary for me. I can't handle it. It's too many emotions. For me, I just want to watch it with a song. <laughs> but I, I think it is... It's the urgency. It's the urgency and the unexpected way in which the percussion accompanies the song. But it's quite interesting. So this is what, 2016, is it? Mm-hmm. Very recent. So, you know, yeah, so it's almost 30 years from when they were like, you know, 
hailed as the best. We're, we're in the fourth decade and, now, you know, yeah, like, and, uh, it, and yeah. they can still get, you know, big Hollywood stars in the music videos. That shows, you know, mm-hmm. how much acclaim this band still has mm-hmm. decades later. And without even like, I hadn't even known this came out. So, you know, this couldn't have been played a lot on social media, etc. Because with her being a big star, you think I would have seen this maybe. See, I, I, remember, I do remember seeing it when, when it came out, I think be- precisely because of the music video. It was Hmm. maybe I just maybe I follow more music accounts on Twitter or or something, Um, but I feel yeah this is the only massive attack. Well, these two pieces are the only ones where it's like I heard about them at the time that they were released. And Mm -hmm. was was I a fan at that point? I don't know if I was yet. I I think I was still you know not very knowledgeable about them. But yeah, that video made me think like bloody hell, like this is not a band to to dismiss in in any case if they've got this big Hollywood superstar and get get her to jerk as wildly as she does. The next song, which is also from the same EP, I think is my favourite Massive Attack song and one of my favourite songs of all time. I don't really know why. Maybe it's because Tricky is back because it's Take It There from, from Ritual Spirit. And yeah, I very often listen to this song and Voodoo My Blood on a loop. Actually, what normally happens is I listen to it on a loop and then I just listen to Take It There on a loop. I don't know why. Maybe it's because it starts and ends in the same way with this very, like, seesaw piano. Um, And just, I'm primed. I listen to that piano and I'm primed. And I think it starts with, um, with 3D, but then Tricky comes in and he sounds so uh yeah so scary <laughs> again yeah. so scary so it's so atmospheric and i'd never actually paid attention to the lyrics but it seems to be about drugs it seems to be about a big a big trip um i don't know why i like it as much as i do but it's, it's quite a slow song i don't know what the the beats per minute are and what i get out of it is basically the piano and the contrast of tricky's vocals and 3d and whoever's singing because you know when it gets to the chorus there's this kind of harmony Mm. um but even yeah as it goes to the bridge and the guitar start coming in like yeah there's something it, it draws me in much like uh rosamund pike's little uh orb <laughs> <laughs> what did you think so i've got a theory that's why you like it mm. tell me so this this reminds me of hell to the thief radiohead really i never made that connection the way he delivers it is like wolf at the door oh my god Tom you're York. a genius yeah it is it is yeah the same it's, it's the slower slower but yeah mm. yeah and I, I instantly thought, oh, this is, I wonder if they've been influenced by Roadhead or if it's just complete uh, random. I like when the piano um, gets a bit more soulful, it's sort of t- near the end and the guitars come in. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it brought in lots of cinematic I- imagery. And then I watched the music video yeah. and it did, not, it did not match at all what I was thinking about. Again, no. why is it Why is it matter attack videos have to have someone in pain or discomfort? Because that's being attacked or running away that's their songs and like because so literally the only two massive attack videos i've seen now are angel and voodoo my blood i'm like they love an underpass a car park you know some (laughs) kind of uh (laughs) grimy grimy dirty building that's the atmosphere that they create It, it is quite funny how they are as popular as they are when you when you read their lyrics and when you when you think about the atmosphere that creates like yeah I don't want to fuck to this music <laughs> at all. <laughs> Maybe get stoned to this music, sure, some of it. But no, it's absolutely do not want to have sex to this music. So in that case, you, nef- you definitely have to watch the music video for the next song. I, so I think I might have done at the time, but I can't remember what it is. So the, the last song is from another EP that came out in 2016, The Spoils, and it's called Come Near Me. And are you surprised, Fran, that I've shoehorned shoe- ghost poet onto here? <laughs> <laughs> Your favourite. 
yeah, I'm surprised I had no recollection of, of this being released at all. Like, say, I had not heard Mass Attack since the best of in 2006. My God, that is 15 years yeah. ago. That's a yeah. long time ago. I, I remember the album cover of, was, was it Hilo Land? Hanago Land, yeah. Yeah, because it's got quite a, a striking cover, but like, mm-hmm. I, I don't remember hearing a note from it at all. So mm-hmm. this is all, all new to me. And I, I don't know if they're collaborating with, like, you know, quite um modern artists either so that's quite cool yeah so on this one again i think they make ghost poet sound like not ghost poet in part so you've got these i've called them mezzanine simply bass starts ghost poets vocals come in and he's doing his his quiet speak singing but then he's actually rapping pretty much which mm. is not what he normally does he's going very fast they they make his voice kind of echo and i really like how the guitar sounds match his voice as well and i mean the terrifying continues we've been here before don't fear me don't stand by the door come near me monster on the bed regurgitating out there's monkey on my bike pulling them like puppet strings slow to react (laughs) scary stuff it's interesting to notice that 3d was not on this track Mm -hmm. no it is just ghost boat singing isn't it no i mean even effing like he's not at all mentioned it's only got um daddy g mentioned on the credits you're right yeah, it's it's uh, Grant Marshall and Stu Jackson. So I don't know if that's ever happened before, but yeah, so that's random. But um, and yeah, the the only other song, just to quickly say, the only other song on this EP is also it's with Hope Sandoval again. It's and it's also mm. with the same co-writers, so they're they're not on it. So maybe that's why they were two EPs in the same year because maybe yeah. they're not as together <laughs> as they were before, <laughs> and they're like, right, you want to go in this direction, I want to go in that direction. Let's do, do it like this. Yes, this is very stripped back. Um, it's got an echoey vocal line. It's got a delayed guitar line. Um, see, uh, to me, I thought this is more Ghost Poet from Massive Attack. But obviously, I've only heard two Ghost Poet songs. So, mm-hmm. <laughs> um, yes. it's hard for me. Yes. So, so far, so far until we get crowbarred into more episodes. <laughs> so for me, it wasn't my kind of thing. But the video is um, so. What is the video? Very... Tell me. So it's so going with the theme of come near me they do the opposite it's the perfect covid times video <laughs> so it's a it's a man and a lady in a, a room they're about two meters apart and then she starts walking backwards and he follows her at the same pace all the way through town through like children attacking them past a car which was playing unfinished symphony and then nice. they end up then they end up walking into the sea and they're both drown but tell you what she does not flinch walking through that that that, that scene so good, good yeah wow. and, and that's and that's the video so again more people dying so massive attack love a video where people are walking near each other but can't come yeah. close to each other. yeah what is the puppet on a string i mean what what's going on here massive attack <laughs> like did they predict covid do they yeah <laughs> but yeah so you know as i said i i wanted to give you a varied playlist in terms of years but also try to do it in terms of themes and collaborators and and go for a few tracks that you might not have known so yeah i'm I'm not surprised that you're only new to them so what do you think after this would you still call massive attack and overrated yeah see they're a band but i can't really say and not decent so yeah i mean when you hear the, the production you know it's class so it's hard for me to ever slag off massive attack because you know they're, they're not really doing anything wrong i think it's just me associating them with pricks does, does that's help. what i was gonna say like because mm. i i don't i have zip, no one i knew was into them i got into them completely oh, okay. by myself so tell me tell me more about the pricks who were into them and, and what that did for them so yeah but i i, I, don't, I don't know it's what band for your generation were like the better to go to cool band at your university which you got annoyed about you know 
Uh, I would say Arctic Monkeys, to be honest. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah, yes, it seemed to be, you know, in 97, 98, that, you know, it was really cool to, you know, get stoned and, and talk about mass attackers and maybe that tainted it for me. But, but it's a style of music that, so like they describe it, it is dance music to not dance to. And <laughs> maybe I do want my, maybe I, I prefer my electronic music to be with some more higher BPMs. Mm-hmm. I just say so maybe that's what it is. Maybe if they mixed up a little bit more. Mm-hmm. So if they did, or but although I've never actually really heard a remix, I, I don't know if any like drum and bass producers have you know made these into like a fast track or, or not. I, I, I should probably you are my angel, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. Not, not as good as Robux, but you know what I mean. Like, it'd be interesting to see if they, if they ever did collaborate with other um DJs to create like a no, like a dark version, but who knows? Who knows? So but for you, me, you it, want Massive Attack collaborating with I don't know Prodigy or something. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, it'd be, be, be interesting. But so for me, I wouldn't know when I would listen to it. So yeah, if it's if, if I'm watching TV and if a music video comes on, I'm happy. But I would never put this music on for myself. So they're not underrated. Uh, over, I wouldn't say again. I wouldn't say they're overrated because I haven't even heard a track for nearly two decades, and it's not as if. Uh, Every time I leave the house, someone's talking about Massive Attack or you know. <laughs> so, that would be a Massive Attack music video. It's like yeah. <laughs> you leave the house and you can't escape them. You try and <laughs> run away, like uh, like the Black Mirror episode as well. Um, so yeah, yeah. So, so yeah, but they're definitely not overrated. Okay, oh, I'm glad because I guess the nuance there is that they're probably they're not overrated overall, but they're overrated for you to listen to them you know, in a contemplative way or to go and dance to them. But if it's, you know, if it's with visuals or, or with something else, you're you're into it. Yeah. If, some, if I go to a, a cafe and I play Mass Attack, I'm not going, oh, for fuck's sake. You're not smashing up that teacup. You, you know, yeah, it's, it's, it's you know, uh, there's some overrated artist we discussed when I'm like, oh, fuck, can you get, put the earphones in? Mm-hmm. Uh, Mass, Mass Attack aren't that bad. So nice. therefore, not overrated. Huzzah. I'm glad we can agree. Excellent. Hey, podcast lovers, now available, a new podcast experience featuring exclusive miniseries like Food Faves, an all-new series that takes a fun look at everyone's real first true love, food. Milky Way Marvels, a lighthearted astronomy series where we explore the fascinating wonders of our galaxy. Pop Culture Icons, an entertaining, nostalgic look back at various nouns in popular culture, plus more. Relax, enjoy. Listen, laugh, and maybe even learn. Podcast presented by Sonic Embassy. Now streaming everywhere you listen. Access quick links to your favorite places to listen now at solo.to slash Sonic Embassy. Underrated. So Sneaker Pips as underrated, right? So you might be thinking they're not a tiny band why have i picked them as underrated there are lots of other obscure trip hop acts that i could have picked i think the answer is number one they're so obscure that i don't know them because i don't know enough about the genre but i've picked sneaker pimps because i think they are mostly known for one or two songs not so much for for other stuff and like massive attack their i think their whole discography is broadly good whether it's from the 90s or whether it's from now i think I especially wanted to do this episode given that they released an album in 2021, their first one in 19 years. 
mm-hmm. um and and yeah it, it took me by surprise yeah they took their name from an article the beastie boys published in the grand royale magazine about a man they hired to track down classic sneakers and the two main guys in it are very well known for other things so one of them is liam howe and he's now a, a mega producer he's produced lana del rey marina fk twigs jesse ware and tom veck of course very good stuff and then there's chris corner who is also very well known for imx who have nine albums i hadn't realized i am an imx fan but i only really know their first two or three albums um and yeah i got into imx before sneaker pimps because my friend lisa lotta was really into them and took me to see them live and imx live is quite a spectacle and i do recommend it yeah there's a guy called ian pickering who is also their their childhood friend who normally does the lyrics and what has been the constant throughout their career is that's who writes the songs so in contrast to massive attack I think Massive Attack, when they collaborate with other people, very often the other people are involved in the songwriting process or at least the lyric writing process, but Sneaker Pips weren't. And Sneaker Pips are best known for the songs on their first album, Becoming X, where there's a singer who at the time was called Kelly Dayton, but she's now known as Kelly Alley, was, was the singer. And basically, by their own admission, because she was frustrated at not being involved in the songwriting process, they asked her to leave. And many, many people are like, ah, sneaker pimps are never as good as they were with her, which I can partially understand, but I think that is unfair and unfounded because I think they've done a lot of other good songs since. But it is true that having a vocalist like Kelly versus a vocalist like Chris Corner is very different. And yeah, there's a quote from Slant Magazine, which I like, which says that British producers Liam Howe and Chris Corner, who met as teenagers in in the 80s, by the way, um succeeded at carving out their own grimy little hole in the trip hop realm the electronic beats gritty hip-hop loops and snatches of film scores are distinctly paired with copious guitars most acoustic both acoustic and electric yeah there's definitely much more guitars going on here than the massive attack and yeah i think i think they deserve to be known for more than six underground basically and that's why i picked them what did you know about them so yeah i knew that song one one two um, <laughs> although like yeah I- Listening to it today, yeah, it's trip hop. But for some bizarre, for some odd reason, I never really linked them to like the other, you know, icons of the scene. Um, mm-hmm. So I completely forgot about Spin Sugar or Spun Sugar. Spin Sugar, yeah, yeah, I completely forgot about that. And and sadly, the other song I thought was theirs is um, it, it could just be Underwater Love. I thought, oh, it's so like City. Was, I thought she's singing in Portuguese, Fran. I mean, come on. <laughs> But she's got a similar, it's a similar delivery. You, you know, can see why. You know, that is such a coincidence that you say that because mm. when I was looking at my top 50 trip hop albums, Smoke City's album was one of them. And I was like, that's that's exactly someone who I was like, that is absolutely trip hop. And I never made that association. Yeah. So, yeah. So I thought I knew three songs. It turns out I only two. <laughs> and only one of them is in here as well. Yes. Like, and I knew nothing about them apart from you know, what, um, is, is it Kelly? What Kelly looked like? Yeah. And that's it. That is it. I, in, I didn't even know how many people were in the band. Okay. That, that's the thing that you mentioned, you know, when they dropped her. It's like doing research, I noticed that she even did all the interviews. And mm-hmm. what was interesting, she even told people how they got the name. And also, mm-hmm. she wasn't even part of that world when they got the name from. Mm-hmm. So, did she give them a star power that they were mm-hmm. lacking themselves? Mm-hmm. And maybe when she left, that also went. So, so they're, they're close friends who, who've known each other for a long time. And I think what's interesting is that you know they seem like feminists in in their lyrics and and their their approach to life and the way that they've collaborated with so many women and they probably saw like look okay we we can do lots of different things but a female vocalist 
would would be a lot better here and even the the album cover for becoming x it is her standing in front of them they're in the background and liam house mm. wearing like um a union jack top and chris corner has a mohawk and it's like those are very british emblems of the past and it seems like she should be the future so i find it incredibly ironic that yeah she left and she left in the way that she did because she wasn't collaborating and you know was she the public face because they were shyer like I, I saw an interview with just the two of them on this australian tv show and they are a bit awkward what year um, is that uh from uh 97 i think oh, just, uh, after. just after they, they they performed a song and then did an interview or is it one of those situations of she's the the pretty woman we want to put her as the face because that's going to mm. sell more i don't know like they probably they probably resented that as well even if you know from from what i've seen it's like they saw her performing in a pub she had a more punky vibe but they they thought she could really bring something special and she did but yeah i mean you'll see i've got three songs with her on it the seven others are uh, are not with her and i i yeah i think they they managed to do a lot without her and chris corner's voice is amazing but it's just it's just not it's not it's not kelly alley yeah so with massive attack and with this playlist i've put it in like track and cd order because it's as if i'm presenting it to you in you know in that way and yeah just like the the massive attack pick i've picked the opening track from the first album which was recorded in house father's house in elwick which is a small village on the outskirts of hartlepool and the vocals were sung inside a wardrobe in liam's bedroom which is incredible when you think about it like her vocals sound amazing they didn't have a drummer so even the snares and kicks were sampled so okay the producers were flood and jim abbas but i i think for such a diy recording process the album does not sound DIY. When you compare it to future Sneaker Pimps records, especially the latest one, of course, it's much more professional and clean and lush. But uh, yeah, that, that really surprised me. And I think it's a really good album opener. It, it's, it creates the atmosphere that's there throughout the album. I really like the difference between the verses and the choruses because the, the verses are very low key, but then the chorus comes in and you've got the guitars that, that come in and it's quite different from the dreamy synths and, and the drums. Um, I really like how her voice echoes and I have genuinely no idea what it's about. So kind of just before this record, I saw something which is like, oh yeah, this is a whole concept album. I'm like, it is, I don't have time to, to look at, into this, but yeah. Uh, <laughs> what did you think? So yeah, I noticed that he, uh, he mentions that, you know, he's from a small town and I'm wanting to uh, blossom in, into a big, and how hard it is to be an artist in a small town and mm-hmm. with, with, with not enough ears on you. Um, interesting that Flood produced this because obviously mm. he produced the two biggest Depeche Mode albums. Um, I could not hear his um, his fingers on this at all. It, it, mm-hmm. it, yeah, it, it doesn't sound like a, a major produce, um, produced album. Interesting. So there was like technically five members, isn't there? Because two of them, just in the touring lineup so yeah i think the core is three and then yeah you have the two the two live artists indeed yeah but the the, the songs are only ever seem only ever to be written mm. by the core three because yeah you can barely hear like a band it, 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 mm-hmm. it that sounds like you know a home studio production so it'd be interesting to hear them play live from that era as well to see how it sounded live because yeah it like i said it just it's like it's basically a, a drum machine and i put down uh, nice pun um, it, <laughs> it said I put down this could have been garbage but with a drum machine oh garbage interesting comparison and yeah mm-hmm. god you know I never I, I'm, I'm an idiot of course it's a pun no place like home oh duh <laughs> but did you but did you like the song or were you kind of indifferent to it uh, indifferent to it um, it wasn't a classic I, I can see why this wasn't a single mm-hmm. okay Um. well the next one 
is the biggest song and and yeah i picked it because i think i think it's really good and shockingly i picked it because i thought it was really good but i it it brings it brings all the all the nice sneaker pimp sentiments together and they actually won a songwriting award from it which i thought was interesting because it samples golden girl uh, mm-hmm. the John Barry track from Goldfinger but there we go apparently you can win a songwriting award with some samples the percussion bass and the synths mesh really nicely with Kelly's voice they bring in and out a really random selection of instruments and there's an acoustic guitar in there that is not something you'd expect in something as languid and cool as this and yeah because it was called six underground I was like is it like six feet underground but Chris said it's about death in a small town environment you grow up in the shit town and you yearn to get out as you said, a lot of artists we can't survive. So the essence of that song is living in a st- small town is like dying. For us, it was a huge release to get out and explore the world to see what everything else is about. We all wanted that, you know, the northern industrial shithole. <laughs> so <laughs> no, no mincing of words there. It's weird, isn't it, how big this was in America? And uh, it's due to the film The Saint. Have you seen The, the Saint? Uh, no, but I've heard of it. I remember it being it is, quite culty, right? It's uh, Valerie Kilmer. Um, stars. It's in, in the mid nineties. They kept trying, obviously, Mission Impossible and mm-hmm. the Avengers. They seem to keep, want to keep making sixties uh, uh, TV shows. And this mm-hmm. was a flop. It's a terrible film with an amazing soundtrack. And mm-hmm. there's a band called Duran Duran on the soundtrack as well, oh, with a really, a really, a really great song uh, at my mind. So uh, that's why apparently that's why they became big in America from the soundtrack. I, I guess. The Nelly Hooper remix is all we all know. Mm-hmm, I've not mm-hmm. heard the album version. I don't, I don't know how different it is. Um, it's got, you know, it's got the, a one-two, a one-two, which mm-hmm. is a very uh, typical uh, trip-hop trope to have trope or troop, trope, I said trope. Um, <laughs> I've, I've always enjoyed the top line. I think she's a great singer. Uh, although, yeah, I guess it's just one of those songs that just exists in the, and I would never seek out. But, you know, so you I've wouldn't seek enjoyed, it out? No, I I've, always, I, I, I've always enjoyed it, but, you know, the fact, yeah, I haven't probably thought of this song for a couple of decades, maybe. But it is, so this is the one Sneaker Pimp song mm. that I think permeates in, in pop culture, like many of the other Massive Attack ones. Um, okay, so next so next track. So the next track is still on the same album, Becoming X. And I picked this one, Walking Zero, because it's more down-tempo. And I think it's the one that best showcases her voice. It's got grumpy strings, as I've called it, and this kind of woozy harmo- synth harmonica Mm-hmm. Um, and there's even like a flamenco guitar, sleigh bells and bass section. It's yeah, it's slow, but it still manages to bring those those little touches. And I think it's the song where yeah, her, her vocals hit me the most. Uh, I, I I feel like they're meaningful, which is unsurprising, I guess, given that yeah, she didn't write any of the lyrics and she didn't write any of the music. But on this one, I can believe it. Yeah, I guess it'd be interesting to hear the original demo to see. If mm-hmm. she even changed, if she even changed the top line, yeah. like how she delivered it compared to exactly. the version. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I, I enjoyed the the violin. It's got yeah, it's got um like a middle eight where the guitar comes yeah. in suddenly. Yeah, that flamenco guitar is right. And I, I think in was it wasn't this album, but later on, it's like oh yeah, Chris was really inspired by Spanish guitar music, and you're like, is he? But then every now and again, it does come. In. Yeah, yeah. Um, it's got yeah, it's got another heavy treated deep percussion. Um, but again, I, I thought it's not too uh, memorable. I, I don't think I'd, I, I, even now I can't remember how it goes. Oh, wow. And okay. I it, and I heard it two hours ago. <laughs> I'm not, I'm not doing my job here with this band, but there we go. But yeah, I, so this is when I found the whole, like, it's a concept album that I found this whole thing about mm-hmm. how like, yes, Tesco suicide is obviously about female empowerment. This is obviously, and I'm, I'm going to quote two very different quotes. So one says, 
the spokeswoman is describing the painful disparity between how women's emotional priorities and this newly fleshed sexual dominance do not, in fact, align. And then this other quote with loads of typos. Okay, people, this song is for all those dumb girls out there like me who sacrifice themselves to stay with someone that doesn't appreciate them and they stay not to be alone. <laughs> Love how they're so much gusto as if they know for sure. <laughs> like this you know, it has mark. to be that. Two exclamation marks. Sacrifice is written S C R A F I S E. Like the passion uh, is more <laughs> than the grammar. <laughs> but it's just like, oh, the contrast, amazing. <laughs> Username uh, Chris C. <laughs> yeah, oh, yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> exactly, yeah. That album sold over a million copies. Mm-hmm. And then, you know, they got dropped by uh, Sucking Kelly. Mm-hmm. Uh, Virgin dropped them. And so this mm-hmm. album came out uh, three years later. Mm-hmm. Um, on a, on a new label, so yeah, it's, I guess I know it's quite uh, quite an interesting thing to do, isn't it, for a band? And I guess were they too confident of their own ability after? I, I think so, but I guess it's that thing again as well. Of it was it, it was the baby of the two of them, right? So um, yeah, I guess even if they weren't confident that it would do as well, they were like, we probably don't care because we enemy reviewed Splinter, their second album, as a staunch refusal to cash in whatsoever on previous fame. The band's hangover after the long night of success brought by debut becoming X. It is faintly ugly and always a breath away from self-destruction. The vision of a band who've renounced smiling at people they hate and wrestled their collective soul back from the devil. Which I was like, I actually didn't agree with that at all. I was like, okay, but maybe maybe the, the writer knows more than I do. I was like, I don't know how much sneaker pimp sacrificed their sound. To, to do that maybe more than I thought but I was like no okay I, I, I read that as they're, they're going in their direction obviously Chris is taking vocal duties but I, I don't th- given that they did everything on the previous album they wrote everything on the previous album unless they yeah they had a really annoying label or a producer who forced them to go in a certain direction you know how how much how much do they not like their previous stuff like they still play it they're still proud of it so yeah I don't know how much I agree with that review yeah, so uh, I was surprised because um, I literally thought they were kind of a one-hit wonder. Mm-hmm. I had no idea they had even made more albums, mm-hmm. and especially didn't, I didn't know that they sacked their lead singer. Mm-hmm. So yeah, I was like, wow. I, I, yeah. I mean, so when I read that, I was, I was thinking that um, this album um, would be completely different mm-hmm. uh, to the original album. And it is and it isn't, I would say. Mm. Um, so, yeah, it, I love how it says it was recorded in an actual studio rather than a cupboard or, you know, a house. And uh, it was going to be called Scissors, Paper, Stone, but it turned to, to Splinter. But, yeah, the first song, Half-Life, you know, it has this piano opening, which is quite a change, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, and then you have, a percu- you know, trip hop percussion and, and shimmering bass. Uh, but strings take way more precedence here than in most of the songs on on the first album, and I think it's much more sophisticated. I don't know how or why, but it it feels much more sophisticated, and it sounds very IMX in style. Not just Chris Corner singing, but musically as well. And the more you get into it, actually, there's the, the line between IMX and Sneaker Pimps is quite blurred, especially the the later on we go. And what I didn't realise was that it samples It's Raining Today by Scott Walker, which is also what inspired Radiohead's How to Disappear Completely. Right. So, yeah, Scott Walker, he's he's an interesting one that I'd love to do an episode about. He's a, he's a, he's a weird guy that I like. And um, according to Chris, Half-Life is about past relationships, your sexual history, talking about how losing someone is like having a limb chopped off, then having a phantom limb and getting an insect sting on that phantom limb. 
on that note, Fran, what do you think? <laughs> so the first thing I thought was, okay, uh, Kelly could have sung this easily. Mm-hmm. So at one point they said that the reason they got rid of her because they thought her vo- her voice wouldn't have suited their new material. Mm-hmm. But that's bull- that's bullshit because she could easily have sung, have sung this. And I don't like Chris's voice. I think it sounds <gasps> quite... Oh, oh no! Oh well, we're fucked then, aren't we? <laughs> but he's got quite a weedy voice, and I I don't think it's enough to carry it. Like, yeah, they needed Kelly. They needed that. They needed her vocal. And uh... I think Kelly's voice is very weak. Like, okay, weak. That's sorry. That's that's quite harsh. I don't think her voice is weak. I think her voice is very light, and mm. Chris's voice is much more emotion laden. It's much more mel- He's much more melodramatic. I can understand. You know, going on the Brian Mocha whininess scale, he's he's on there. But but, I... but Brian Mocha, your internet's placebo. Kelly, her voice stands out. You know, it was her. I think his voice could be a, oh. a lot of different other artists. But you know, maybe it's because I got into IMX before Sneaker Pimps. Uh, because I IMX is very much Chris's baby, and I'm like, yeah, this could easily be another IMX song. Um, okay, so but apart from his voice. <laughs> <laughs> so I said, yeah, it's got a menacing introduction. Um, it, it moves away from the traditional hip hop sound slightly. Um, I prefer the verse to the chorus. I mm. think the chorus is like in the verse, the verse sort of like hints at going somewhere great. And then, oh, it didn't deliver. Over underrated. Sous well, the next one, Lightning Field, also has a very strange, I've put religious singing at the beginning. So this is also from yes. the same album. And I, this is the one where I was trying to find out who the the other songwriters were, because it says Ira Gershwin and, and another Gershwin. So there's probably a, a sample there. This song I wrote, his voice sounds more feminine, like Keddie's. This one I could see Keddie singing mm. more than... The, the previous one and again i've put you know more sophisticated percussion you've got acoustic guitar and synths coming from nowhere i like how it builds with his voice to a chorus strike me down like it's very evocative and like you feel like i don't know yeah i, I think because of the religious element i feel like i can see and the fact that it's called lightning field i can see him with his long hair with a uh, crown of thorns dragging across a across a field and yeah again it has this unexpected acoustic guitar bit which I think is very original and very sneaky pimps. Yeah, I guess music music video wise, just we we haven't got many to watch with uh, these tracks. <laughs> I haven't seen any apart from Six Underground, just to say. This is a very very nineties looking video. It's so nineties. That's that's <laughs> that is the description I would use to. Uh, yeah, so it's got a very theatrical production, a lot of melodrama. Um, this is half sorry i'm not in a, in a bad mood i put down uh not really a song it does lots of little ideas i've heard before strike me down but i'm gonna call it sub matter attack oh who would have thought the underrated band would have been the uh, i was one. shocked i was shocked oh, I, man. It, I i assumed that i was going to be surprised by sneak pimps and thought oh wow they they're secretly amazing but so far, not the case. <laughs> so far, not the case. Well, then you might agree, as we move into their third album, with this absolutely brutal, brutal drowned in sound review of Bloodsport, which is, how do you criticise one of your favourite bands ever? This is classic Sneaker Pimps, which is my main gripe about this album. It's two classic Sneaker Pimps. All the songs seem to be rehashes of previous releases. To put it bluntly, this band should have, should, should have and could have progressed. Wow. Is that true? Because this does not sound like classic Sneaker Pimps. I don't think so. And I think of all the albums, 
this was the one I found it the hardest to pick songs from. I I really like most of the most of the songs. And and I, I was thinking kind of like, what are you more likely to like as well? So I picked this one, Kiro TV, because I thought it was much more pop and even more IMX, which I thought you might like. I don't know what the instrument is at the beginning, but it's, yeah, what is it? Like, I feel like it's some sort of traditional folk instrument from an Eastern European country that we don't know about, but it's, it's very intriguing. And, you know, we had Becoming X, which was a female vocalist, mm. um, Splinter, mostly male vocalists, and this... We've got a male-female song. I don't know who the vocalist is here. I presume it's Sue Denham from Robots in Disguise. Yeah, I, I put down Sue Denham. Because she's, she's credits, yeah. She's got the credits as a co-writer. Right, there we go. So you, okay, you did more research than I did. On, on one of the songs, it's very clearly her voice. And they were dating. And I'm a huge Robots in Disguise fan. And he produced a lot of their music. And is in some of their music videos as well. In ah. a very... You should really check out Boys by Robots in Disguise with Chris Corner and Noel Fielding, who were their partners at the time. In- oh, okay. Yeah. So that makes sense because I was going to mention this at the start. On the Wikipedia, it's got like past members and it has Noel Fielding occasional guitar live. And I was like... Oh, really? I it didn't know that. Cita- it says citation needed. So I thought, is that a piss take? Well, no. So that, that was the connection because... Uh, ah. Yeah, yeah. So for a long time, um, Chris Corner and Sue Denham were together and she's also on a couple of IMX records I, I don't know when they broke up but they, they they definitely broke up at some point and yeah but, but again it actually it does bother me it bothers me with Ghost Poet actually as well he does it sometimes yeah I'll call him out I, I feel like very often on mu- music female vocalists are not credited like and I'm not I'm not talking about in liner notes I'm talking about featuring blah mm. Mm. um Ghost Poet sometimes does he sometimes doesn't like on his last album like there's loads of female vocalists and you have no idea who they are uh meatloaf died this week mm. and his most famous song has a whole entire part with a, a solo female vocal not mentioned at all on the song yeah come on guys damon alban as well come on guys get it together so yeah on on this song i couldn't quite tell if it was if it was sue denim or not but i thought it probably is given that she's um, mm. on other songs and uh yeah it's named after a real tv channel and vaguely american hollywood references is, is what i've written down so um yeah what do you think so i noticed that they got dropped again yeah after the mm-hmm. second album bless them do you know what apparently the album was going to be called foresight yes and I if, saw it's, that. if it's, if it's named name. after bruce that would be the best thing. <laughs> what a tribute <laughs> back in 2002 <laughs> <laughs> um i put it has a more industrial approach than previously mm. Um, which, which again, because of Chris's vocals not being strong enough to deliver, I think if you're doing industrial, you've got to have that Trent Reznor grit to you, which I think he may lacks a little bit. Um, I actually would have put down "Can't Sue" be the the, the lead singer on this because her voice sounds more interesting. It may have worked better. I then Maybe put don't um, like his voice. I'm so I then surprised. put this sounds like uh, mid noughties Depeche Mode, but one of the album tracks I'd skip. Oh, so brutal. Brutal, brutal, brutal today. Much like a blood sport, one might say. Very very much so. Which is uh, the next pick, the title track from the album. So, you know, I'm going to put my my stall up there for it to be absolutely knocked down by you. But I don't understand how this song isn't as big as Six Underground. I think this is this is genius. It's so catchy when like it, it was a while before I got to this song when I was going through Sneaker Pimp's discography and immediately became addicted to it. The fact, yeah, it's clearly about wanting to have a kid's innocence again. 
because he's like been had a terrible time in love uh because his mother didn't warn him that love is not a blood sport and the section where he's going my mother my mother it's i find it very moving a very moving counterpoint to the you know like you said very industrial sounds going on beforehand with sorry going on behind with the with the synths and the drums and the in the in the female Mm. vocals i love his falsetto I love it when the fatter bass and, and the drums come in and it's surprisingly co-written by a million people, including Midge and Steve Strange. Really? Yes. I'm oh, very must, is, Oh, 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 okay. In that case, it must be a sample because yeah. Midge and Steve Strange are both from Visage. Yeah. So he must, he must have sampled Visage on there, I assume. I don't know what it's sampling, but I love it. So I put down, it's poorly produced because I think the bass line is the best part of, the, of it and it's too low down in the mix. I, I think I if, could it had, agree with that. if it had that bass line up mm-hmm. um, with, with some, and and it's got kind of like annoying keyboard sounds. It, it comes in with a don't like. And the second keyboard sounds like a synth sound works well. So I, I put down if the bass was higher and the, and the second synth pads was used more, I think it would be a, a better track. But this has like quite a big music video to it. So somebody it. somebody tried to, uh, to make it work. But, so what's um, the music yeah. video? Tell me. Fran, this podcast could be called Fran Describes Music Videos. Fran Describes Music Videos, and no one's ever going to watch. Uh, I am afterwards. <laughs> well, it stood out because the opening sequence is a guy doing cocaine. Right. Um, and then goes into a nightclub with a hot girl and, you know, it's dancing around. But yeah, it's odd to see someone doing cocaine in a music video. And I couldn't actually see uh, a low point to it. Like, like you see me overdose or something bad. But like, like also the opposite of what this song is about, because it's like, you think it's about like, oh, you know, childhood innocence. No, because I've been punched in the face because it's a blood sport. And I mean, the cover, the album cover is someone who gets punched mm. in the face, which is probably mm. why why I'm thinking that. Um, I don't think the keyboard sound is annoying, but um, you know, that's your you're entitled to your opinion. I yeah, I do agree that the bass hook is is fantastic and maybe could be mm. more prominent. But still, like despite that, I, I I don't understand why this isn't bigger. Well, I guess because they were on a tiny label called Tommy Boy and they just didn't, didn't have the, the moolah to promote it. Yeah, well, they spent it all on the cocaine music video then. <laughs> I didn't I didn't know how it works. It you know, once you've had a flop album, mm. it's really hard to get, you know, to get attention from radio stations, etc. again, unfortunately. Mm-hmm. Yeah, there wasn't there a Twitter no, I was looking at Blood Red Shoes's um Twitter account, I think. They were saying how like strangely enough. The more albums you have, sometimes the harder it is to get recognition in the music press because there's this kind of like, oh, what, you're still around? Like, you're still giving Mm. it a try, which is bizarre because you'd think it would be the opposite of like, wow, isn't it incredible that they've been around for so long and made, in Blood Red Shoes' case, six albums that are, you know, quite different. But um, yeah, very strange. Well, bands have said that's a UK thing. So UK is Mm. all about um, the introducing stage the enemy these are the next hundred great yeah, artists it's yeah, all about yeah, yeah. the new 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 everyone's like oh yeah you're still here mm-hmm. in america they're like oh my god this band had this song you love and, and that album you love you know and, and the hell they, they think it's amazing that you're still around but mm-hmm. uk is like you know yeah we want you to be new and interesting and fuck off mm-hmm. basically sadly yeah which is sad i mean you know guess it's why the uk has such a good reputation as a music stronghold but it's yeah it's a shame and and yeah again going back to blood red shoes like their sixth album is so different it's really good and i feel like it's getting a bit more coverage than maybe 
previous ones, but it's still getting wide, widely known. And it's like, they've been together since like 2004. <laughs> it's really, they're playing very interesting rock music with uh, with electro undertones. I don't, I don't understand, but, but there we go. So I don't know how big IMX are on the continent. Is there a chance that... The, that there um, is a European following, I think, yeah. Is a Snake Pimps now going to be bigger than they were because of the IMX fans jumping on board? I don't think so. I no. think because part of the reason I think why MX are so big, well, actually, they're, they're, a lot of their songs were used in How to Get Away with Murder. That that rocketed them a bit more in, in the US. And it's quite interesting because, yeah, I didn't realise that IMX had so many albums because I've only listened to the first three. It's just one of those things where I'm like, oh, God, nine, like, this is a lot. <laughs> um, I have limited time as much as I enjoy it. But having seen them live a few times, like, honestly, they are so good live. Like, it is is worth checking them out. So how come he can write nine albums in, what, like, 15 years? But with Snake Pimps, they had such gaps. Is it because he's by himself? He's not having to collaborate, or yeah, I think he. he yeah, he, I, I think so. The the final album that we oh no sorry hang on we have we have we have a song but the their final album is called Squaring the Circle and apparently it's called Squaring the Circle because that's something that's impossible to do and they thought it would be absolutely impossible that they would come back together to make a mm. final album and I mean given how different directions they went in because I mean Chris you know as you know, it's not totally unmainstream. The music he produces on IMX, but thematically, visually, it is quite like it, it, they're almost disgusting sometimes. Some of the IMX visuals, it's it's quite intense and and overwhelming. It's like repetitive, big screens and like I don't know. There's like some slithering snakes or something sometimes. So it's it's quite an experience. I can totally understand why that wouldn't be for everyone. But yeah, despite him having the yeah, like a decent amount of listens on 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 his songs. Liam Howe went on the production pop route primarily, but it was it was totally different directions. And maybe that is what makes them so unique that they clearly have these different sensitivities and different influences. But um, given that on their first album, they had to bring in someone else to sing. I think that maybe does hint at the fact that, yeah, it, when it's just the two of them, it's it's a bit difficult. But I, I still think what they produce as a two or as a three with Ian is excellent. But yeah, clearly not everyone does. <laughs> yeah, the, Ian, the Ian's an interesting thing, isn't it? He just he writes the lyrics, to... doesn't he? Yeah, and apparently well, Pants occasionally plays live, but like, yeah, that's random. He's the best. He's the best. The, the, well, no, because he's invisible. He's not even on the album covers or anything. <laughs> There's some man, but fair enough. He's, uh, I'm sure he's. Ha- I'm sure Ian's happy wherever you are, let's, Ian. Let's hope so. And let's hope Sue is happy because she's on the next track, which is Grazes. So this one was is a bit out there. It's totally different. I put it's an epic in in six eight, and her voice is more uh, prominent here, and. Yeah, it's it's a weird start, and then you get to the chorus, and Sue does her part, and you're like, I, I mean, I think to me it pricks up my interest, and then when Chris comes in with his ready, I put melodramatic response because her voice is very quiet, very sparse, and then suddenly the contrast with Chris is, I think, fantastic. Like I can absolutely accept that this song could be shorter. I still enjoy it as a long one, but the the chorus is the best bit, uh, as much as I do enjoy the random instrumental section with a guitar solo. But yeah, I think the way they play off each other is is fantastic. And, you know, I think as someone who I know likes male-female vocals, I hoped you might like this one, despite the weirdness. Yeah, and I also think this sounds more like the debut as well, production-wise. Mm-hmm. Um, although, so yeah, I enjoyed it until that guitar comes out of nowhere and <laughs> yes. completely snaps out of it. I'm like, what the hell is that for? It's a really odd choice. And then it's sort of it like, is an odd choice. Yeah, I, I mean, I said to I said on my thing, I said, you know, you have to credit them on trying to do something different. I don't know if it works on this song. Um, mm-hmm. 
if they removed it, I think I may have enjoyed it more. But yeah, the best it's the best track since uh, Six Underground. Oh, you think so? Okay, good. I'm glad at least you think that. But uh, I mean, mm-hmm. still slightly damning with Faint Praise, but still. <laughs> and then, yeah, in 2021, sort of out of nowhere, it seems, Sneaker Pimps released their first album in 19 years. And it includes songs that have been sitting incomplete for, for decades. And they brought on a different female vocalist this time. It's Simone Jones, who's a very interesting woman because she used to be a biomedical researcher. Um, and she was a, a protege of Peaches. And and yeah, so she's across um, uh, a lot of songs on here. And she's the, Amer- American. Is she? She's American, yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, because, yeah, but so Chris is now living in LA and I imagine Liam is too. Uh, I mean, I feel like if you're a mega producer to many American stores, that might be where you want to be. But yeah, this the first song I've picked, No Show, it's a, it's a version of Rush from the 2006 demo tape, SP5 demos. So different. So different to to, diff- to other Sneaky Pimp stuff. So it's pop. It's lush. There's still breakup themes. They're still not happy, you know, like as as Massive Attack uh, aren't. But I, I for me, I've, I've written, I don't think this song would be out of place in a best of list from, from you. Clearly, Liam has learned more production skills, is using a better studio. The difference between becoming X and this is massive. I guess, like, you know, the similarities of the trip hop production. But mm. yeah, this this is... You know, I'm not. It's not so unsneaky pimps, and I'm like, well, I don't recognise it, but it's it's very very different. Yeah, it, it's glossy, isn't it? Like um, lush, glossy. Yeah. Yeah, I put it down. This is a far superior sound to the previous album. Uh, less hip hop, more EDM. Although I hate the term EDM. <laughs> it sounds a bit like a German uh, artist called Hearts. Uh, oh, I didn't no know them. No, no one's heard of them. I thought, yeah, it's 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 decent, not great. Is that the sound of Chris coming in the background? <laughs> You know I me. Mean? I think that's him. Oh dearie me! Well, he is. He is in the song. Like, <laughs> well, thank you for ruining it for me. Frank. All right, sorry. <laughs> Although, no, 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 there, there are worse people to to imagine. Ah, um, <laughs> oh, but you still only thought it was decent. You didn't. You, you yeah. weren't pulled over. Yeah. Okay. So yeah, they, yeah. I think maybe the song was amazing, but yeah, I, I, I'm happy about they've uh, choosing. They've chosen their. A different vocalist and yeah it's great production great vocals but maybe just slightly better song needed mm-hmm. but this is this actually a single because i could no no so my... i deliberately didn't choose fighter because that is the biggest song okay. of the album actually because i i'm, I'm it's fine it's fine but i do oh, i do think these songs are, are better than 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 fighter i think fighter it creates a nice atmosphere but the chorus is a bit repetitive Whereas okay. I, I, I'm i not bored with either of the two songs that I've picked from, from Squaring the Circle. Um, so yeah, so on to the final track. Which is, yeah, I'm ending on a weird one. I am ending on a song that sounds like you're getting chased in a video game. I am aware of that. Um, but I wanted to show the variety that's still on the album. And I've put Chris's voice is still powerful, which I'm sure you're going to disagree on. But there's some Depeche Mode synths going on here. I think that Depeche Mode influence is, is clear. Mm. And I, I really like the images that this song creates. Um, lyrically and and musically because yeah it's very it's very tense I like it so um, in the world of LimeWire and Napster oh, yeah. obviously I've made it clear I'm a big Depeche Mode fan and like uh, sometimes people who are showing you the files to talk to you I found there's a lot of Depeche Mode sound like bands in like Northern Europe mm-hmm. and there's a band I discovered called Mesh who actually think are British, but they do, do you know business apart from Scandinavia. And I, I, I put down, this sounds like Mesh, and Mesh are basically a bedroom, the push mode. 
bedroom depression right no i mean that's good for me the production's not as hard you know because they haven't got the, the money it's done on, on a an amiga rather than a pc so i don't hate it but you know i can listen to depression mode if i want to listen to that sort of, that sort of music maybe they're not trip hop is no longer fashionable and they want to move on from that but have they found their own sound like it sounds like maybe imx seems to be where he prefers like that's his, his more his thing are they do they not know what to do with, with stigma but because they're still a name they're but, using that well th- but this is the thing like for me okay yeah the, the sneaker pimp sound isn't as strong as say the massive attack sound or other people mm. but i still i think they're two two friends from their shit hometown quoting them who clearly clearly have a good time coming together and for me produce very interesting and engaging music I, I come back to Sneaker Pimps a lot and they're, they're one of those bands that I really enjoyed rationing their discography. Like, I, I don't... It was funny that you said, like, oh, you know, I can't remember what Walking Zero sounds like even though I listened to it two hours ago. I can almost understand that because they go in such different directions that, you know, you, you, if, you, if you sat down and you listened through their discography in a row, like, you, you would go sort of all over the place. But that is kind of why I like them because... There, there, there are a few elements that bind them together, but they're they're happy to experiment and go into a lot of different directions. But it seems to, it could be that maybe that's why people don't like them because they're difficult to pin down. And with so many reviewers being like, "Oh, they can do better," I'm like, "Well, but how?" <laughs> I'm I'm in, I'm enjoying it. I don't I don't know what someone else would, would bring into it, but maybe to satisfy the critics, maybe that's what they need to try and do. But would it work because they're two friends who've known each other for bloody ages and and have their tight knit group? I don't know. I guess you don't hear many people describing them as an influence have have has their sound influenced anyone do they have their own unique sound or is their sound kind of you know i think they wear the influence on the sleeve a little bit themselves i i think they probably do but i i would think i would think more imx would have a, yeah. a sound that, that influences people but i again i don't mind like I, I think you make a good point sometimes when you say, oh, you know, when you listen to Brian Moko, you know it's Brian Moko and that's what mm. makes it. I don't I don't mind that I don't immediately hear that it's a sneaker pimp song because whether it is or not, I generally like it. So, so yeah, maybe maybe it just does something for me that it doesn't in, in others because, yeah, I think they're mostly known for becoming X. And, yeah, I, I've given you a lot of uh, songs from all sorts of areas, but it doesn't seem to quite have clicked for you either, right? But yeah, but I, but I just don't think they've got airplay. I, I literally, I, surely I, I would have heard something. I, I'd, I guess the media just didn't want to know without having uh, Kelly, I guess. Yeah, maybe not as successfully as they would like, or certainly not as successfully as I would like. Do you have the, uh, the Spotify stats to where they are popular? Uh, so, yeah, you know I do. Um, so Six Underground is their most heard song with 31 million. The next one uh, is the Perfecto mix of Six Underground. So you were saying you haven't <laughs> heard a remix. Uh, at four million, and then the 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 first kind of other song is is Half Life, um, from really? from Splinter, yeah. And then that's uh, sorry, sorry, my mistake. It's Bloodsport. So okay, good, good that that is the next one. But yeah, from 30, 31 million to two million, and they only have five hundred and three thousand monthly listeners, which I don't think is very much. So yeah, of course I'm going to say they're underrated, but I don't I don't think you are. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I literally had no idea what to expect. Um, I was confused when he mentioned them as trip pop uh so so i thought oh so going in thinking they were trip pop i wouldn't call them a trip hop i just call them an electronic um band um yeah yeah i don't think i'll go back to check out more unfortunately but but thank you for educating me because i I have found out 
more about the band who I thought were just a one-hit wonder virtually. Yeah, and I mean, hopefully, I haven't convinced you, but maybe some lovely listeners will be on my side. Fingers crossed, get in touch. <laughs> please, please. <laughs> we love you, Chris and Liam. Okay, well, let's go and listen to some music that makes us happy. And we hope that after listening to all our podcast episodes, that's what you'll do too. Uh, thank you for listening and no, stay in touch. Let us know what you're listening to, guys. And uh, goodbye. Ciao. So it's the outro, guys, and I'm absolutely bloody devastated that Fran didn't like my underrated band. What can I say? I feel like I've let the sneaker pimps down. I've let Chris Corner down. I'm very sorry, Chris. I'm very sorry that you didn't like your voice, but it's okay because you're a successful man and you have IMX. And if you want to harass Fran via our social media networks, you absolutely can. I'm the one who normally looks at them, but I will pass them on. You can follow us on Twitter at OUMusicPod. You can follow us on Instagram at OverUnderratedMusicPod. Or you can even email your harassment to OverUnderratedMusicPod at gmail.com. Peace out and one, two. Baby, baby.